you with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, guys, what's going on? Week one. Uh, You know, week one's still going on. All right, we are in the middle of the Cowboys-Giants game, but we still have to let you guys know what happened. What happened in week one? What disappointed you? What excited you? Tyreek Hill, Tua, you know, a couple winners, the week winners there. Uh, But a couple of guys like uh, T. Higgins uh, didn't really show up. And might have lost your game. (laughs) Yeah, any Bengal. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase didn't really come through. Uh, There's a lot of players that came through, a lot of players that didn't come through. We're going to talk about it all. But the most important thing we're going to talk about is the usage, right? Like, this is going to tell you who's startable next week and who's not. Week one is all about trying to determine, okay, what is how how is this landscape being set up for the 2023 NFL season? And that's what we're here to break down on the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. By the way, guys, this is one of six episodes, or maybe seven, honestly, that we're doing this week because there's so much to talk about. Uh, we are recording podcasts every single day, basically, and you're, you're going to be getting so much uh, from us over the next five months. Okay. Yeah. We're making the commitment here. <laughs> I was hoping that Zach would, you know, um, Zach's here with me. Um, <laughs> yes, I was hoping I'm here. that Zach would like in- interject, you know, when I pause like that because I had to cough. Um, so I'm going to do it again, Zach, and then just you can interject at any point, a- a- anytime I, you want. Yeah, I couldn't tell that you were struggling. <laughs> That's my fault. But yeah, no, it's going to be a ridiculous schedule, you know, coming up these next few months, 100%. I mean, the amount of content that we have planned, like just sitting here, like today, I realized football, like I used to watch football and it would be so easy. And now I'm sitting yeah. here, it's like we got this podcast schedule coming up. It's like I'm sitting here oh, yeah. analyzing every little thing, like watching guys come off the field. River Craycraft. I'm like interested in him for some reason. <laughs> like I'm blowing my own mind, like going yeah, in man. depth, trying to figure out what's going on in these games. It's hilarious. Like, so yeah, it, it's I will completely say, different. I'm excited. I will say that in this particular episode, you know, we we're going to go over like the early set of games. Okay. So we're not going to really break down like the afternoon games. Right. Okay. So we're not going to, you know, really talk about, you know, Puka Nakua and and Tyreek Hill and Tua. And you guys know what happened in those games. We're going to break that down, uh, you know, in, in the next podcast. It's going to come out shortly. Just not in this particular episode, okay, guys. Because we, I, you know, I really want to do my due diligence when I'm giving you guys analysis. And if I'm recording this just a few hours after the games are over, you know, I'm not. I can't really do that, okay. So we're gonna have it for you. We're just not gonna have it in this particular episode. You might get another episode, you know, a few hours later, maybe you know later in the day. But it's gonna come, okay. I want to go ahead and get started, Zach. All right, there's so much to talk about, okay. Um, I want to start with the Panthers and Falcons. Okay. Um, snaps were split evenly between B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier through the course of the game. Um, Algier kind of played this closer role in this game. The first three quarters, Robinson was on the field for 79% of snaps. Okay. Algier was also the goal line back in this game, right? He ended up with two touchdowns on top of his 15 carries. Algier had 15 carries in this game. He ended up with 18 touches. Now, right. 
I don't expect Algier to be, like be the goal line guy all year long, right? We're going to see a split there at the very least at some point. We saw Jameer Gibbs not getting a full role, you know, in his first week. You know, obviously Bijan got a much bigger role in his first week, but I think his role also ends up growing a little bit as we go on. Now, Algier's a good running back, but they they drafted Bijan for a reason here. And 79% of snaps when this, you know, during the first three quarters tells you a lot. Okay. Um, and, and the Falcons, you know, did go up in this game. Okay. So, right. you know, both of these guys can be fantasy relevant. Um, you know, Bijan, he got a 33% target share in this game. Uh, he ran around nice. 82% nice. of dropbacks, which is absolutely elite. He only ran two less routes than Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And don't, don't get me started on look at those guys. But <laughs> uh, Bijan's a must start right now. Okay. He's a must start every week. You know, Jameer Gibbs after that game, you're like, uh, do I start him next week? But like Bijan, like must start. Okay. If he's running that many routes, like you got to start this guy. Okay. It doesn't matter if Algier is involved or not. Um, Algier to me is a sell high candidate. Okay. He's going to have his games for sure. Like, you know, this is going to be an effective run heavy attack. But if you can get a real, like legit, like RB2 back, like I do that. Right. Like Algier can be startable, but. He's going to have his games like it's going to be up and down. Um, and, and, and you know, you can't imagine the backfield shifting even more like I, and for me personally, like I'm, I don't expect the backfield to shift towards Algier. I expect the backfield to shift towards Bijan. Right. So this might be right. Algier's peak in terms of usage to start the year. Yeah. Definitely to start the year. This is one of those situations where you have a guy that's going to get that intermittent workload. Sometimes it's going to be heavy, and then sometimes you know they'll get the goal line touches like Alger got, and then there are times where they get seven or eight touches, and that's about it. You know, it might not even come in the passing game, and we see that Bijan Robinson pretty much has that locked down. You look at the way that they were used. Bijan Robinson, he had most of the, not, I think it was all of the two minute snaps, if I remember correctly. So he looks good. It looks like he's going to get the workload that he was drafted to have, and that is actually pretty surprising when you consider that this is arthur smith a head coach because we had seen kyle pitts not get used correctly drake london that continued but it looks like because the falcons identity is running the ball Bijan robinson is going to get that workload i agree that tyler algier can be a sell high candidate i think he's a really good sell high candidate because if you look at the usage you know he had more carries than Bijan robinson so you can sell people on that like Sometimes you'll have players, and it happened last year with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, where he was super efficient, he was scoring touchdowns, but he had such low usage that it wasn't that easy to sell him if you're trying to dump him off, you know, if you listen to the podcast, where people would look at his usage and be like, oh, well, he wasn't used. That's just touchdown dependency. At this case, at this point, it looks like Tyler Algier is a big part of the backfield. But I'm also going to go back to what you said about B. John Robinson, where how is this backfield not going to shift towards him more? You know, with the talent, he looks really good, dude. Did you see his really first good. touchdown? Woo! Did you see it? Like, that's on a re- that that's on a reception. And then he was also running the ball hard too. Obviously, he had a couple breakout runs. But man, like that's exactly what you want to see from your rookie running back. Like he put to sleep. He did the opposite of what Jameer Gibbs did. He put to sleep any worries about what he's going to do this season. Like Jameer Gibbs, there's questions like, oh, well, his usage wasn't there. Obviously. We can still be optimistic about, about Jameer Gibbs, but if you look at which performance was more encouraging, you know, in terms of usage and then also production, like Bijan Robinson was all that in a bag of chips in Atlanta. So that was 100%. awesome to see. Yeah, I love that. And and when the run game is working, the Falcons don't have to throw the ball, and yeah, and they won't. Drake <laughs> London had one target, zero catches in this game. Kyle Pitts had three targets, 
two catches. That's embarrassing, man. Like, get your playmakers involved. I know they won the game, but one target for your star wide receiver is insane. Okay. Yeah. For Matt Collins to out-target Drake London, that's just irresponsible. Right. I I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I had him. I had him in two leagues. And I remember I put out a post on the newsletter last a couple of weeks ago, it was about talk about Drake London, how he had over thirty percent target share in the last in the last four weeks, and like a sixty some percent air yard share. I'm like, this guy is going to go ballistic. <laughs> he doesn't even right. need ten or twelve targets. He can have seven or eight targets and get it done because he has this ridiculous air yard share. He's being targeted downfield, and then it just turns completely on its head, and he gets one target, no catches. It was just like. That was one of the worst feelings you have because he was being mentioned with guys like Christian Watson, who didn't play, obviously, but he was being mentioned with guys like Chris Olave. We'll, we'll get to him. Like these big name receivers, and he didn't come through at all. So that really hurt. <laughs> I mean, I'm speaking a little bit here. I might be tilting a little bit because I had him, but it was just despicable to see that happen. I don't expect that to happen again next week, but who knows? This is Arthur Smith. <laughs> I hear you, man. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't – he's a buy low for me, obviously. Like, Drake London, like, there's no way that this type of usage continues. Right. Um, but it does suck. I, I wouldn't overpay for him, but I do want him on my team after this performance in terms of, like, the price that I can get him for. You know, you had to burn, what, like a fifth-round pick for Drake London? Like, that's pretty much what it yeah, was, right? somewhere in there. Lucky. Um, so, I think I got him in the sixth in one draft. Yeah, yeah, you can get lucky he falls a little bit, um, but I don't think you have to pay that type of price right now um, if you wanted to get him. I think he could provide wide receiver two upside at some point this year, um, mm-hmm. but you know, the the games have to be a little bit more, I guess, competitive, and the Falcons would have to be forced to throw the ball a little bit. Yeah, but it was just, interesting. Just, it sucks. It was interesting too because the calculation is half of his targets, Desmond Ritter's targets, went to running backs. So like we were talking yeah. about. B. John Robinson eating in the passing game is not a bad thing, but he led Drake he London, led the team is. in target share. He led the team in targets. Bijan did. Yep. Um, so you know, it's, it's, it's just running back for Bijan. Tyler Algier got some too. That's what I mean. Yeah. So it's like Desmond Ritter. I wasn't encouraged by what he did, but it's only week one, so you don't want to overreact. Like week one is notorious for overreactions, and that's what we're trying for not sure. to do. But you know, it, are it you saying I should not spend all my fab on, fab on Puka Nakua? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, no. I think there might be a little merit to that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll have to see. But he that one felt good. good. That one felt good yeah. for sure. Um, Miles Sanders on the other side of the ball, he saw 18 carries, six targets. Um, that's awesome. Those raw numbers are great. But also you have to keep in mind that the Panthers ran 77 plays in this game. So one of the questions yeah. was whether Sanders will have an every down roll. Uh, he did not. Only 57% of snaps on a potentially bad offense. Like, this is one of the reasons why I didn't love Sanders this year. But Chuba Hubbard, he was very involved. Like, he and he played very well. So there's no reason to change things up, especially, you know, Sanders lost a fumble in this game, too. Hubbard played on third downs. Sanders got, Sanders got most of the two-minute work, which is a, a big plus, right? Like, if you're running back, he's getting two-minute work. That's awesome. And, and that will keep him propped up as, like, this low-end RB2 Next week against the Saints, you know, a little bit of a tough matchup there. But, you know, yeah. Sanders could, could potentially do his thing. Um, now, Hayden Hurst, uh, he was Bryce Young's favorite target in this game. The rap participation was there in preseason. The targets were not there, but it looks like the targets caught up with the rap participation. 22.5% target share. Uh, 
I wouldn't necessarily pick him up. His route participation actually went down in this game, 64%. Um, yep. Targets might end up going down too. So Adam Thielen only had two targets in this game. You know, I'm kind of yep. interested to see what happens when DJ Shark gets back. Okay, so like when DJ Shark comes back, like is he the pickup? Like is he the the guy that they go to? It was Adam Thielen a little bit banged up in this game. Is that why he didn't get the targets? Uh, by the way, Terrace Marshall and Jonathan Mingo, they had six and five targets respectively. Uh, they didn't do much with them. Um, this is this is still kind of wide open a little bit. Yeah, it's wide open and it's a pretty bad offense right now. And we saw that they ran a bunch of plays and there was like next to no production. And even the usage, like nobody was really dialed in on in this game. Like you mentioned, I mean, outside of Hayden Hurst, he led the team, you know, but he wasn't doing a whole lot outside of that one touchdown. It wasn't that, yeah. you know, encouraging. Adam Thielen was not what I was expecting. I didn't think that he would only get two targets. He ran 38 routes. So like that was up there with the teams, the most on the team. So that was encouraging to see, but I just don't know if I trust the offense right now to want to go target a guy like Hayden Hurst, like you said, and Adam Thielen oh, yeah, at this sure. point with DJ Chark looming. I think you're 100% on the money when you talk about is Adam Thielen really still going to be the guy? Cause now they've gone a game. I don't know if Adam Thielen is going to be that guy for Bryce Young at this point because he's dropping back, throwing all these passes, not targeting Adam Thielen. I don't want to overreact to one game. I'm still an Adam Thielen guy. But DJ Chark, the reports were that there was a connection between him and Bryce Young. He could come back and definitely, you know, he can establish himself in this receiver room that doesn't have really anybody that separated themselves. So, I, And going back to your point on Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard, like this is like the perfect backfield split where – we don't know what to do. Like it's it's really confusing because you look at Miles Sanders. Well, he he did play a lot of snaps and he got the two minute, but then Chuber Hubbard came in and looked good. They're both going to get snaps. It's all one hundred percent wide out wide in the. It's all one hundred percent out in the wide open right now. And I'm not a big fan of starting any of these guys. I did start Adam Thielen this week, but at this point, with the way the offense looked, it wasn't that good. And yeah, the Falcons Hubbard, defense got better, but. They're not that. Good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, Hubbard also got some short yardage snaps. Sanders did get you know goal line snaps, but uh, you know Hubbard did come in for some you know short yardage stuff. So we could see some potential goal line uh, for uh, Hubbard as well. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to move on to the Bengals and Browns. You know, Joe Burrow, man, what a forgettable performance! Eighty-two yards passing. Okay, the Browns came to play in this one. Um, Burrow, Burrow and company did not. That led to another guy missing on the stat sheet. That was T. Higgins. Nine targets for Jamar Chase, who only finished with five for 39. And eight targets for T. Higgins, who finished with no targets, dude. I mean, no catches. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that lost a lot of people in fantasy matchups this week. There's, a, there's been several people commenting you know, uh, on our post saying that they played uh, T. Higgins and they sat Ayuk. Um, which I would have made the same Ugh. decision, to be honest with you. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it was a le- it was a losing decision, right? Because Ayuk absolutely yeah. went off. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, like this is the lowest this offense will be this year. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know they're, they're going to bounce back next week. Joe Burrow had a bad week one last year too. You know, throw some offers out there for T. Higgins. You know, he is a high end wide receiver too. It, it's brutal for him to have this performance when he's trying to get a contract. Um, yeah. But uh, just go get that guy if you can. You know, I'm not worried or anything moving forward. You know, we're just a really, really terrible week one. Um, I, yeah. I don't want to overreact, you know. So, like, it, you know, it, the, the thing is this, right? Um, if that person did have someone like Brandon Ayuk and they, they benched him, right, you can easily get T. Higgins because 
they'll they're like, okay, cool, you can have them because I can just put Brandon Ayuk and expect high end wide receiver two numbers. Like that's going to yeah. be their mindset, right? So, um, he is somebody that I would try to grab if I can. If anybody is like super butthurt, butthurt that you know he they gave him a big fat donut in their yeah. lineup. That was a big fat donut. But this is the thing. Like I, I, I'm not gonna say I saw this coming, but I'm also not surprised because the Bengals have done this thing the past couple of years where it's just like quiet yeah. week one. It's weird. Right. Like I don't know why that happens. But T. Higgins, I wasn't really in on T. Higgins coming into the season. I thought that his ceiling wasn't really that high because of Jamar Chase being there. But this isn't like a resounding like example of why T. Higgins sucks. Like this is just the Bengals offense playing horrifically. And I think yeah. I'm giving them a mulligan because of the weather a little bit. You know, obviously you can't chalk it all up to the for weather, sure. But there were obvious problems on both sides of the ball for both. That teams was definitely a handling factor. Definitely. So yeah, of course the receiving game is going to be a little watered down. Not you know, no pun intended. So when you look at T. Higgins, he had the targets. The usage was there. It's just the quality of the targets. A wasn't high, and B it's just like everybody was having trouble on the Bengals' offense in this game. So at this point, just reload. And just did, look uh, at the Bengals. Did Tony Pollard just score a touchdown? Yes, he did. Yeah, baby. <laughs> See, this yeah, is what's going to happen when we're when we're yeah, doing baby. these podcasts. When we're doing these podcasts at night, yeah. <laughs> this is what you're going to get because Faraz has the game behind him, and I have the game next to me here, and we're just both watching this game. But Faraz is like five seconds ahead of me, so when I see his head turn, I know I should tune in to what's going on right next to me. But anyway, like I was saying. Give the entire Bengals offense a mulligan and just go into week two like it's week one and have your expectations just as high as it was before. The Bengals have also had a lot of trouble against the Browns, <laughs> you know, since yeah. Joe Burrow's been there. It doesn't, Kryptonite. it's not just this game, Kryptonite. but it's like there's plenty of games you go back where the Bengals just, they get beat by the Browns. And this was just bad all around. I would be more concerned if the Bengals had a half decent day and T. Higgins played like he did. But this is just the entire offense being bad. So I'm not worried. Exactly. Exactly. Guess what? Samaj P. Ryan is gone. Joe Mixon has the same exact role he did before. So he does yeah. not have the third down role. Travion Williams was the guy behind him, mostly. Uh, Chris Evans also had opportunities. Again, Joe Mixon is just going to be dependent on touchdowns. You know, Good thing he's going to be on a good offense, but that's really what you depended on, to be honest with you. Um, yep. you know, without, without Kareem Hunt on the other side, Nick Chubb has the same role that he had. Played on less than 50% of snaps. He only ran 12 routes. Jerome Ford is in the Kareem Hunt role. Okay. Third down guy. He increased, you know, he increased his role as a closer. Okay. Um, that's just who he is at this point. Nick Chubb's still gonna do his thing. It's the same Nick Chubb that we've had, though. His role did not increase, unfortunately. He did see four targets in this game, but that was not correlating to like a higher number of routes run or anything like that. I wouldn't expect that can to continue. Okay. Right. Um, both Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper tied with seven targets each, 24% target share from Deshaun Watson for each of them. Uh, Moore also had two extra carries out of the backfield. So this is very encouraging for Moore. Uh, it is worth noting that Amari was a little bit banged up for a part of this game. Like, what's new? Um, he, he didn't play a whole lot in the fourth quarter, so he didn't run as many routes. So he could have got a couple extra targets in the fourth. Um, but, you know, you, you, you didn't draft Elijah Moore to start in week one unless you were super desperate. But it's it's pretty like this is a, a, a nice little confidence boost if you did draft Elijah Moore that he is startable moving forward. Yeah, 
It's not like he got all these targets and these routes and these snaps while Amari Cooper was off the field. It did happen where he got some more because Amari Cooper was off the field, but it wasn't at a point where it was like New York Jets usage where he just wasn't on the field, you know? So it's good to see that Elijah Moore is being part of the offense. And it's also worth mentioning, you know, they have high snaps. You know, you look at it, Elijah Moore had 52 snaps, Amari Cooper had 45, but only 22 and 28 routes run. Like, this was a running game, like we mentioned, the weather, and then also the Browns, we're in a positive game script pretty much a whole game. They had no reason to go crazy throwing the ball. And Deshaun Watson, I think he looked better. You know, he, he didn't look like back to form, and he also didn't look like he did at the end of last season. So I think that's definitely also encouraging for both of these guys if they're getting the usage. And then also Deshaun Watson is looking better. The ceiling can be there for Elijah Moore. Like the, the ceiling that we talked about, I don't think we're ever worried about Amari Cooper. We know he's going to get his 120, 130 targets this season. But Elijah Moore, based on what we saw today, looks like he could scrape that ceiling You know that we were talking about this offseason, being the number two in the offense. Um, I was encouraged by what I saw. But you know we'll have to see how things pan out these next few weeks. Because we know one week doesn't tell the whole story. And that's the beauty and the issue with week one. Because like all of this seems... Like it's set in stone. This is how it's going to be. And then week two rolls around and it'll look exactly the same. Right. <laughs> it'll look different, that kind of thing. So no, yeah, exactly. I, I was encouraged by Elijah Moore 100%. And then you also mentioned Joe Mixon keeping the same role. That makes total sense too. That's kind of what we were expecting. And you say that he he's going to go as the offense goes. So the offense had a bad day. He was actually the most reliable, but not necessarily reliable. He was the only one that didn't completely screw you over if you had him in your lineup. Right, right. Now, I want to move to the Texans and Ravens. J.K. Dobbins, Achilles injury for J.K. Sad. Dobbins. Can we have this a moment really, of silence really for him? I think we need that. This really, really sucks for J.K. Dobbins, man. Like, the dude was in for such a big year. Um, you know, he had 80% of snaps in the first half. Yeah. 80%. Okay? He was turning into a legit bell cow on what is going to be a good offense, okay? This isn't good for his career at all, okay? Brutal ACL, and now one of the most brutal injuries that a football player can sustain, you know, wish the best for the guy. But, like, this is this is not good for his career, man. Look at no. Kenny Makers was supposed to be the guy that come back from it, and then Kyron Williams is taking over that backfield right now. Not yeah. great. Not great. Oh, I could okay, talk so, forever about that. <laughs> I, you know, it really sucks, man. It really sucks. And I know that a lot of people, you know, drafted J.K. Dobbins because I was so high on him. But it's just like, what can you do, man? You know, this is yeah. not a situation where you're just like, oh, like this guy gets hurt all the time. So, of course, he got hurt again. No, he he tore his Achilles. Okay. This is not a knee injury. This is a freak injury. The dude is just straight up unlucky. And it sucks, man. It sucks for him. And, you know, it sucks for everyone who drafted him, too. But it definitely sucks more for him. That's for sure. Um, because yeah. he was in a contract year. He was about to get paid, potentially. You know, given the running back landscape, you know, who knows? If he had a big year this year, though, he would at least got a franchise tag. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. So, this is just a really, really shitty situation. It sucks. And you mentioned that his snaps were so high he was actually getting that workhorse role and it was amazing because we were really high we saw this coming you specifically you've been the big jk dobbins guy you saw this coming and it looked like he was going to be the next josh jacobs but he had that 80 percent snap rate 
the highest ever with the Ravens, pretty much in his career. And his previous high was 66% in a game. That was just the first half. Like it was just terrible to see him go down. When I saw the injury at first, I didn't think it looked that bad. Now, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> you know, he came Same off here. the field. Yeah, he, he came off the field. I think it was under his own power, too. So yeah. it's like, I didn't think there was a whole lot going on there. I was like, oh, maybe he tweaked something. You know, it wouldn't be major. But the fact that it's ACL, like you mentioned, this isn't just him getting injured. Like, there are injury-prone players out there 100%. But this isn't that kind of thing because these are all major injuries that he's getting. So Yeah, man. It, this is, like, going to be the last we talk about J.K. Dobbins, unfortunately, I think, here, except for going back and saying, like, what if? He's going to be one of the biggest what-ifs, you know, pretty much, I think, in the NFL. You know, over yeah. the past few years, you talk about injuries, taking away some talent. He was an excellent, excellent runner. He is still an excellent, excellent runner. But um, just sucks. Of course, too, like the Ravens decide as soon as J.K. Dobbins gets out that they have to just pound the rock at the goal line with one running back. Like <laughs> two, two touchdowns for Justice Hill. That's got to be infuriating. Well, uh, this too. was going to be a three-touchdown game for J.K. Dobbins, right? Like it was, exactly. that's what it was going to turn into. Um, and, and, I'm, you know, Justice Hill got those – those touches and i'm personally aiming for justice hill if i'm choosing between him or gus edwards like i think this is a situation where a lot of people will in number one aim for edwards and number two it'll be easier and cheaper to get hill um hill was the preferred back all of camp he was a standout running back throughout camp while dobbins was out for a lot of it and in this offense you have to be versatile it's a different offense than greg roman's offense okay and Hill is versatile, okay? And that's why he got those touches when he did. Dobbins right. can still, you know, I think Edwards can still close out games. Um, but Hill was the one getting those goal line carries. He got the touchdowns. Um, like I said, it would have been a three-touchdown game for J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> but I, I think Hill can continue on that momentum that he had in training camp. Now, can the Ravens bring in someone like Kareem Hunt? Maybe Justina Anderson said that they're going to activate Melvin Gordon, but I think they like Hill enough for him to be the one A in this backfield. Um, you know, yeah. he's for me, he's one of the top waiver wire ads this week. You know, tomorrow's our waiver wire show. We'll prioritize all of these waiver wire guys. We're going to talk about a lot of them today, but we'll prioritize them for you for tomorrow's episode. So make sure you tune in for that. Okay. Yeah. Um, Justice Hill, just one more thing on him. I think yeah. he's going to get a crack. It's not just going to be I think so. like one week. And if he has a bad week, they add somebody. He's going to have two or three weeks, I think. I think before so. Before they start to say, all right, maybe we need to bring somebody in. But if he plays well, then good for them. You know, it was actually a oddly uncharacteristic day from the Ravens. You know, the offense didn't look as explosive as I wanted it to against the Texans. Like there definitely could have been more points on the board. Yep. <laughs> 100%. 100%. And, you know, we'll talk about it. And, you know, Zay Flowers, 10 targets. Yeah. The number one target for Lamar Jackson, 48% target share. Okay. Like he's a legit wide receiver three next week with room for upside. You know, Rashad Bateman, you know, he only went three for 35 yards, but he only ran 17 routes compared to Flowers 28, OBJ's 30. Uh, OBJ went two for three with, uh, for 37 yards. But it seems like they're, they're bringing Rashad Bateman on slowly, you know, because of that, that foot injury. That's what it seems like to me. Um, Isaiah Likely, probably the, the biggest disappointment, you know, getting only one target in this game. He ran around yeah. 77% of dropbacks, uh, which is what you want. Um, you know, Lamar was just looking at Zay all day long, man. Uh, but, you know, I ranked Isaiah Likely with this news of Mark Andrews going down. I ranked him as a top 5 10 in this week. That didn't work out at all. Yep. Well, Why did that it work happen? Out? Probably because 
you know, there was he had better target competition this time around. That's yeah. probably what what happened. Where Zay Flowers was just better target competition than likely had when he had those better games before. Right. Yeah. Now, um, if you remember, I think it was last year where Mark Andrews was out and Isaiah likely went in. His first target was a touchdown, and they didn't do anything after that. You know. So it's like we know the talents there, but here I do agree that the target competition is much better. And the Ravens wide receivers played out pretty much exactly how we had been talking about it. So it's always good seeing that happen, you know, when we called it. Zay Flowers, easily, I think, the most talented receiver here in the receiver room. I know you're a big, you're a big Rashad Bateman guy, but I think Zay Flowers is just on a separate level when it comes to his athleticism, what he can do. He's more shifty after the catch. And you saw that on the first, I think it was first or second reception, where yeah. it, was a, it was a screen. And that had to have been like three missed tackles for us yeah, on that yeah, one yeah. right there. It, it was, was awesome. And Zay Flowers, he's pretty much taking this golden opportunity that's been put in front of him with Rashad Bateman coming on slowly, which makes sense. He said that would be happening. And Odell Beckham, he's just, you know, one of those guys on the side. He's a spot contributor at this point. He's a good veteran, good receiver, but he's not going to be shouldering a full workload. This is kind of how I envision it happening moving forward. Although I think Rashad Bateman, I don't know if we're going to be seeing 10 targets and then everybody else has less. Once Mark Andrews comes in, I think six or seven targets might be more in the realm of what we see on a weekly basis for Zay Flowers, but it's still going to be higher than Odell Beckham Jr., 100%. And even later into the season, we might see that even out between Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman. But as things stand right now, Zay Flowers is your starter. Rashad Bateman, I don't want to start him just yet, just because right. of what we've seen here. Mark Andrews is going to be back presumably next week, so I think he's going to still hover around a low target share, low snap share. But if he gets healthy then we can have that conversation. I think that could be a couple weeks down the road. So right now, yeah, I think starters, at some point, at some point yeah. he's going to probably start and play over OBJ, but that's yeah. not happening yet. And once that happens, then we can have that conversation because as of right now, Rashad Bateman, he should still be rostered. Don't drop Rashad Bateman. He's a bench stash for a few weeks. That That's yeah. kind of how I see it until his snaps 100%. go back up. There was nothing that was discouraging from what we saw from Rashad Bateman. Yeah, you know, and this offense is going to get better too. I think once they have yep. Mark Andrews in there, it'll be a much better. I mean, the, the rain didn't help either. It, it was it was a little bit of a sloppy game for sure. Yeah. Um, there were three running backs involved in the Texans' backfield. Not good for Damian Pierce, man. Gross. He was the, he was the primary early down guy, but less than fifty percent of snaps. Mike Boone was coming in, taking most of the passing work, most of the two minute snaps. Devin Singletary. He also came in, you know, he was stealing some random work here and there. If this isn't going to be a good offense, like we can't have Pierce being one of three running backs in the field. Like he definitely gets downgraded for me. Like I, I, I wasn't super in on him. And then I got in on him after watching preseason. And then now we're looking at a different type of situation here for Damian Pierce. The offense didn't look great. I mean, th this is their first game together, you know, rookie quarterback. Things are going to get better here. But I, I would like to see pierce in a little bit of a better role more of a workhorse role here than you know what we saw yesterday what we saw today right and the reason you were in on damian pierce was potential receiving work and mike boone just came in from the top rope and said no like yeah i don't like that at all like this wasn't even i think on the radar like were you considering mike boone in this backfield devin singletary not at all guy because yeah because devin singletary he had that you know, production. He was running a bunch of routes up in Buffalo. He wasn't necessarily targeted a bunch, but we thought if anybody was going to be taking targets, it was going to be Devin Singletary. But now Mike Boone, suddenly he's got the receiving role. If that continues, Damian Pierce, 
is he in danger of being an RB3? <laughs> because this offense is not that good. And I don't think it's going to be that good this season. Like, it can take strides forward. If anything happens with that, that's going to be probably in the passing game, which they threw a lot of passes. But Damian Pierce, it, it's the workload wasn't there. You talk about the usage, the production that he had, not very good. And it was all just distributed pretty much. It looked like 60, 30, 10, you know, in terms of the value of yeah. the work that you're getting. And that's not going to be enough for Damian Pierce, especially where he's being drafted. Not that he was being drafted too high, but you definitely don't want to see I, I wish it was I wish it was 60, 30, 10. It was, worse, it was worse than that. So it's like, I don't even want, you know, this needs to get better, period. But Damian Pierce definitely gets a downgrade for sure. Yeah. Um, Nico Collins and Robert Woods got most of the t- targets for the Texans. Collins with 11, Woods with 10. Uh, Kyle's being tar- targeted down the field more. He went six for 80, 26% target share. That's what you want to see. Now, if you have Collins, there's a chance that he can be a wide receiver three this year. There's a chance for that. Okay. There's a bit of a wide receiver rotation here. Like these guys are, aren't running at 90% route participation. Um, but the guy who is Dalton Schultz, 91% route participation, yeah. only four targets, two catches for four yards. So severely underperformed. But if he gets dropped this week by whoever has him, scoop him up. Okay, I would scoop him up. Okay, throw him on. I'll throw him on your bench because the targets can catch up to him here. Ninety-one percent route participation is elite for tight ends. Um, you know, for those four targets that he got in this game, like that could turn into seven. It could turn, you know, five for you know forty-five and a touchdown, right? Like that's what it could turn into. So he can be a tight end one still. Um, I wouldn't be too caught up on the stat line here, but like the underlying usage is way way better than what the stat line looks like. Yeah, 100%. And that was one of the things I keyed on, keyed in on when I was, you know, doing my review of this game. I was like, all right, where is Mr. Vanilla Ice Cream? Like I called him, you know, this past <laughs> offseason. I was like, where is he? And you can, you didn't have to look very far. Not only was he Vanilla Ice Cream, he wasn't ice cream at all. Like there was nothing there with his production. I was like, okay, what's wrong here? Because we did see in the preseason some concerning snaps, you know, that he was playing where other players, Tegan Quatoriano, whatever his name is, I think that's how you pronounce it, he was getting some snaps in there. This is what you want to see, even though like this is the best case scenario given the production that he has. Because he was on the field, he ran the most routes of any Texans player, which was encouraging. And the targets yeah. weren't there. That's one thing. But the, we always talk about, like you said, the regression to the mean with the routes run and the targets. Dalton Schultz, he still has low tight end one quality. I'm not counting on him having as high a ceiling as I thought he might have in this offense, but he can still be a solid, you know, relief tight end especially in a week where a lot of the top tight ends were out and could still be out, you know, for a week or two. For sure, man. All right, let's move to the Jags Colts. Calvin really is that dude. It's like he never left. Love it. Right. Eight yep. catches on 11 for 100 yards in the touchdown, 34% target share. This is high end wide receiver. One type of stuff right here. Yeah. What'd you 100%. think of Calvin Ridley's performance, man? I loved Calvin Ridley's performance. I mean, you look the way that Trevor Lawrence was using him from start to finish was exactly what we were looking for coming into the season. You know, we saw everything in preseason, but to have that backed up by the on-field performance was just, it was an incredible feeling. He was targeted all different ways, downfield, screens, scramble drills. Who is Trevor Lawrence looking for in a scramble drill? You saw that on the first touchdown. Goes and finds, rolls over to Calvin Ridley's side, throws it to him. Ridley's, of course, he's right there wide open. It's Calvin Ridley, but he had a career high in receptions in the first half for himself. That was seven receptions in the first half. He quieted down in the second half, which was odd, 
because Zay Jones started doing Zay Jones things. But with Calvin Ridley, this is exactly the type of usage you want to see. He dominated it. This is how he plays. This is what we we're expecting, hoping, and he got it. Long term, you want to talk about full season. If he can keep this up, that wide receiver one bold, that not wide receiver one, the top five bold prediction that I had early in the offseason, looking pretty good. What was that prediction again, Zach? He would be a top five receiver in PPR points per game. Love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, I think and it can happen. The, I mean, his production, 34% target share, the way that he looked, this is high-end wide receiver one type of stuff. Yes. Right? Like, this is legit. And as a result, Christian Kirk gets only one catch on three targets. Right? Zay Jones was second in targets with seven. 22% target share for him. Okay. Yeah, you Excuse you me. had mentioned you had mentioned I, Christian I, I Kirk. Had like, uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I have a I have a cough today, man. I don't know. What's yeah, going you're fine. On. I think, my, I think you my had kid, mentioned Christian Kirk. My, my kid started kindergarten this week, so I think I caught something. <laughs> it must be. Yeah, you caught something, but Kadarius Tony didn't. I'm gonna just throw in a Kadarius Tony joke right there. But anyway, yeah, Christian Kirk. You had mentioned how he was kind of phased out of the role that he had last season, and this yeah. is kind of like showing that in full force now. Do I expect Zay Jones to just be the number two every single week behind Calvin Ridley? No. But Christian Kirk, he's definitely in for a lighter workload. The same goes for, um, oh, what's his name? Evan Ingram. Yeah. Because he came in. He, he didn't have competition like Calvin Ridley to deal with. And now he does. And Calvin Ridley comes in. He gets 11 targets his first game. Trevor Lawrence loves throwing into him. This is, I'm not going to call it a death sentence for the rest of the Jaguars pass catchers. But they definitely take it down. They're a, they should get a downgrade compared to where you had him last year, 100%. Because Calvin Ridley, he's going to be taking all the targets pretty much every week, as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, I I, I have more confidence in Evan Ingram. He ran around 89% of dropbacks, which is great. So he, he's going to be just fine. But I'm a little worried about Christian Kirk because, you know, Zay Jones is guy is the guy on the field when he's not. Okay, like he yeah. had a, you just got a catch – Zay Jones had that touchdown oh, yeah. catch. Ooh, <laughs> nasty. It was nice. nasty. Um, I was like, oh, is that with, Calvin Ridley? <laughs> by the way, if you remember, we touched on this with Christian Kirk. Like, I think it was like last week or the week before uh, yeah. where we talked about him coming off the field in 12 personnel, right? So he only had a 69% route participation compared to Zay and Ridley who ran around on, on more than 90% of Trevor Lawrence's dropback. So, you got to downgrade Kirk a little bit, not just because of the production that he had, but because of the usage that he has. And you have to upgrade Zay Jones if this type of usage continues because if he's going to be on the field with Calvin Ridley, right, and if Calvin Ridley is going to start drawing more attention, Zay Jones is going to continue to get those one-on-one looks, and Trevor Lawrence is not afraid, you know, to to give Zay Jones a chance, especially in the in the red zone, and we saw it in this game, right? Absolutely. So I think Zay Jones is actually a waiver wire pickup this week. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year he outperforms Christian Kirk. Um, and remember, last year, the target share towards the end of the season, it was very similar between these two guys. All right, mm-hmm. so just, just keep that in mind. Now, going to the backfield, Travis Etienne, he had a great game on great utilization. 80% of snaps, 86% route participation, which led to five catches on five targets. This is high-end RB1 type of usage right now. Okay, despite yeah. the fact that Tank Bigsby might continue to steal goal line touchdowns like he did in this game, 
even if that happens, if this offense is good and if this usage continues for ETN, he's an easy RB1 every single week. Now, if Bigsby's role grows, that's something to watch for. But he didn't necessarily make a great case for that in this game. He made a couple of weird plays, um, but you know he continued to stay on for those goal line carries and that sort of thing. But still, regardless, the the, the snap count, the amount of routes he's running, and if this offense takes the next step, like we're looking at legit RB one usage for ETN. I did not see this coming. I don't know if our, this RB one type of workload is going to stay the course or if Bigsby's role is going to continue to increase like Doug Peterson said he would, said it would. But again, like Bigsby has to show it on the field that he's deserving of that. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah, 100%. He didn't show that he's going to be doing that, you know, like right. Doug Peterson said, having his role grow today. It, it just didn't look that way. Like he got a couple of the goal line carries and that's great. And I called, uh, what's his name, Bigsby, a thorn in the side of Travis Etienne. I think that he can still continue to be that. But the concern with me was not only the utilization, he had the utilization for a couple weeks last year, but the production on top of that utilization wasn't there. This week it was. And honestly, I think this game ended up being a lot closer than the Jaguars thought it would be. And it was a lot closer than I thought it would be. So it ended up being a pretty good game script for points being scored. But Travis Etienne, you, you mentioned the usage. Like it, it's undeniable. And we're just kind of sitting here. I know you're kind of sitting here. Like you said, you didn't see this coming. I'm kind of swallowing my pride a little bit here and saying that maybe, maybe I was wrong on Travis Etienne. I wasn't big on Travis Etienne because of the inefficiency that he showed on the high uh, workload that he had last year. But this offense definitely looks like it can take the next step. Like you had mentioned. It, like, it's, it's really about him earning those targets. Last year, he was running a lot of routes, but he did not earn targets. That was the issue. Now, this is a one game sample size here. Right, he yep. did have a game or two last year where he got some targets. So we have to have more games to really decide whether he's going to continue to earn those targets with the routes that he ran. That was a problem last year. He had a big workload. The the usage was there in terms of him running routes, but he wasn't getting those targets. Will he do that this year? Will that increase for him? Hopefully. You know, Bigsby, I think, only ran five routes in this game. You know, right. so yeah, he only ran five routes. You got that. Yeah. So I mean, this is something that we should definitely pay attention to. 100%. Now, on the other side of the ball, Anthony Richardson, he showed why he can be a legit fantasy quarterback in his first game. He had the goal line carries, 40 yards rushing, right? Uh, he has playmakers like Michael Pittman. By the way, eight catches for 97 yards and a touchdown. He's a good wide receiver, and this connection thrived in this game. And if you got Pittman at a discount, you know, at his talent level, like it looks like you might have a decent chance of you know getting a steal you know, where he was being drafted. Like, if I told you that, like, Pittman would have this type of line and Drake London would have the type of line that he did, you'd be like, nah, get out of here, man. That's not that's not right. happening. But, hey, like, now it's like, okay, okay. Uh, this is not great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, it's, yeah. you know, Michael Pittman was a little bit of a sneaky winner, you know, from the whole JT saga too, right? Because they couldn't really depend on a running back um, yeah. in this game. And, and, and Deion Jackson was a complete fail, right? 13 carries for 14 yards. Like he did dominate snaps, seventy-two percent of snaps, but this just means that either the Colts bring someone in, you know, who knows? But it's possible that, you know, we see more of a timeshare next week. Zach Moss can come back; he can completely take over, especially on early yep. downs. Um, I, I wasn't in on Dion this week, but I did expect more of a timeshare here. Um, he didn't make his case at all, though. So, you know, he'll be <laughs> tough to start next week. You know, even if Moss is out again, um, Evan Hull did get hurt in this game. 
Okay, so he might be out for next week. I think it's a knee injury for him, so just just monitor that or don't or don't monitor it because it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But Evan Hall, you know, it's it, I mean, I'm sorry, um, Deion Jackson. It is possible that he ends up getting all the work next week, but you know, I'm not sure that it really matters. No. Uh, do you expect a whole lot out of any Colts running back at this point? Like, unless it depends, you know, it, like, listen, opportunity like, is everything, right? Opportunity is everything. So, you know, we saw Deion Jackson have good games before, so it, it is possible. Uh, it, right. it, do I think it's going to happen? I don't think so. Is Richardson going to be dumping the ball down a whole lot? I don't think so. So that's where we're at with that. It, we're really going to have to depend on the run game. Right. They would have to defy the odds to really produce, I think. But with Anthony Richardson, like you said, he definitely has that high end QB1 upside. He had a good week, as far as I'm concerned. You know, obviously, it wasn't perfect, and he has a little bit of a bone bruise. I think that's what they're calling it right now for his yeah. knee. So keep an eye on that 100%. But if he's starting, you know, definitely play him. And you mentioned Michael Pittman. That was one of the things I wasn't expecting to see. I had tagged Josh Downs as somebody that might see a little bit more work because underneath, get Anthony Richardson into a rhythm, you know, that kind of thing. And we saw actually encouraging snap share route participation from Josh Downs. I think for week one, you know, 36 routes run. He had six targets. That was tied with Kylan Granson for second most on the team and Deion Jackson. But Michael Pittman was the biggest surprise for me. Like you had mentioned, I'm not saying, oh, maybe he's a steal. Like if he can just put anything close to this up every week, if he's having solid week after solid week, he doesn't have to be scoring 18, 19, 20 points a game. If he's putting up 13, 14, 15, and he put up more than that this week on a consistent basis, that's enough to qualify him as a bargain in for where he was going in drafts because everybody was off of him, including me. I don't think you were really in on him either, besides the fact that he is an alpha wide receiver. And we were hoping that Anthony Richardson could make him relevant at some point this season. But for him to come out and do that immediately, that's really encouraging for Michael Pittman. And it looks like they're going to be competitive in games. It's not just going to be they get they wipe the floor. They get the floor wiped on them every week. And then it's just, well, how are we going to throw ourselves back into this? Is Anthony Richardson going to be throwing multiple interceptions in a game? It was a very good as I think it was as good as a, an opener as you could have hoped for with the Colts and the situation going on with Jonathan Taylor and everything. I think everything was relatively positive. From what I agree. I, I mean, I mean, look at these other guys. Look at the Texans. Look at the Panthers. Yep. It, it wasn't as smooth. These guys were in, in the game with the Jaguars. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So like this, it, they were trading it blows for like the first three quarters. So I was happy with what I saw. I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Um, let's move to the Titans and Saints. Chris Olave leads the Saints in target share, 30%. Okay, elite right there. 10 targets, went 8 for 112. Michael Thomas was next up with 8. Rashid Shahid capitalized on his 6 targets. He went 5 for 89 in a touchdown. Shahid was very efficient last season in his rookie year. He was an undrafted free agent. Um, and now this performance in week 1, I think he's a sneaky pickup because you know everyone's focused on all the other parts of this offense like Michael Thomas, Juwan Johnson, Chris Olave. You know, is there room? Well, you know, it's possible that Shahid, you know, ends up emerging a little bit, right? Yeah. He's also getting carries out of the backfield. And uh, maybe it's because Jamal Williams, you know, was the only real running back in this game. Uh, by the way, is it a surprise that he didn't play particularly well in this game? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but next week, you know, if Kendra Miller is out again, you know, I guess Jamal is worth a start in a better matchup against the Panthers. Uh, but Jamal did get 75% of snaps. He ran some routes. Um, I think solid enough play as like a low-end RB2 next week um, for him. So, you know, I'm okay with starting Jamal if Kendra is out next week, especially if Kendra like doesn't really, even if he's in and doesn't really practice next week, I think Jamal's an okay start. 
Um, but yeah, man, like, w- what do you think about this wide receiver core here? It seems like Derek Carr got some guys to work with. Yeah, M- many more than he had in Las Vegas. I mean, he had Devontae Adams, but outside of that, there wasn't really anybody there. So we don't, we yeah. haven't really had this situation where okay, Derek Carr is more than one guy to throw to. And if you watch the game to start, it was Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas all over the place to start the game. I I, I remember seeing like a sequence where it was three or four targets back to back to back to Michael Thomas. I was like, oh man. What's happening with Chris Olave? Why isn't he getting the targets? <laughs> then Chris Olave came off the field for a little bit with a knee injury or something like that. I don't, it's something with his leg. I'm not sure. Right. I was like, oh man, now Michael Thomas. I think he just like really roll, just, I think he just like rolled his ankle real quick or something. Something like that. Like that. Yeah. So, yeah. but it was definitely concerning because he gets up hobbling like, uh oh, because like this was my guy. I texted you that today. I was like, my guy, Chris Olave, he's having <laughs> this big day. He came on, I think, more in the second half, and he had a really high target share, really high snap share routes run. He looked like the Chris Olave we wanted to see, and that was awesome. I agree. Rashid Shahid can be worth the pickup. I'm not expecting a ton from him yet. You know, obviously, it's a good, solid, foundational performance to build on for him to build some connection with Derek Carr. But it seems like Derek Carr also doesn't mind throwing to Michael Thomas. I think all these guys can be fantasy relevant. I mean, the Saints office, it it wasn't perfect, but the receiving game was so much better just in this one game compared to what we saw last season, Derek Carr is going to be able to take these receivers and make them relevant where Andy Dalton wasn't able to do that last year. So there's reason to be excited with these Saints receivers, 100%. And then you mentioned Jamal Williams, and just touch on them real quick. Of course, Jamal Williams is probably, he's probably really going to look like a good start next week because all of the fantasy people, they're going to start looking at 2023, what we saw in week one, the small sample size, it's going to say that the Panthers allowed the most points to running backs this week because they were playing against B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier. So I agree Jamal Williams can be a good start next week, but I'm just kind of waiting on Alvin Kamara at this point because the Saints offense look pretty good. And if they add Alvin Kamara to that, like the target share might be even a little bit more distributed, but that's only going to help the quality and over the quantity. Like, you know, you take away the quantity, but maybe you add more quality to these targets. Like this offense can be very good and they're in a really weak division and we saw it just today. Yeah, no, this is like a guaranteed division division for the Saints, like pretty yep. much. Right? It, no it has a low bow on it and everything, low gold bow. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, 84% route participation for Juwan Johnson. That's what you want to see. I think he's a hold if you do have him, um, you know, especially if you are kind of like at the bottom of the crate in terms of like what kind of tight ends you want, um, <clears throat> especially in a 12 or 14 team league if, if you don't have a tight end someone to consider okay he's not a must hold or anything like that but like if you're looking for a tight end he's somebody you can consider um DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of the ball he dominated target share for the Titans 38% he went six seven for 65 on 13 targets Ryan Tannehill did not look good at all dude like um I I don't think the Titans are in any position to make a quarterback change though <laughs> this year no. um you know I think Hopkins is still a solid wide receiver too though based on that target share based on his work um you know, I think, you know, there's not – there was nobody else, like, behind Hopkins that really mattered. Uh, you know, Chico Conquo had zero catches in this game, 75% route participation, 30 routes ran, two targets, and a missed 50-yard touchdown. Um, that, you know, would have been everything, right? Chico is that yep. dude. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, his route participation, like, if it stays around 75% or it gets higher, like, I think he could end up – 
doing his thing. Like the Saints were really good at stopping tight ends last year, so maybe we keep Chig on our roster for like another week to see what happens uh, in week two. Um, but uh, is he droppable? Maybe, but like I'd rather just hold for like one more week. Yeah, definitely. I'm holding him for one more week. Tannehill is just hurting the whole offense though, and this DeAndre Hopkins twelve targets. And just not a whole lot of production to show for it reminds me a whole lot of what we saw last year with DeAndre Hopkins when he had Colt McCoy at quarterback. I'd say they're comparable. Colt McCoy and Ryan Tannehill at this point. Like, oh man, I come on, that... dude. No, no. I, 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 we, it's one really, really, really bad game for Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was okay last year. He was okay, but he wasn't I like Colt see, McCoy, though. I could see more of these games. I, I personally see it, but I could see more of these games where DeAndre Hopkins puts in. Really good target share, a lot of targets, but not a whole lot of production. What do you have? At the end of the day, it was 13 PPR points on 12 targets. That's just not going to get it done. And that was okay. You know, if you started DeAndre Hopkins, chances are you weren't starting him as wide receiver one. Probably weren't even starting him as a wide receiver two. He was a flex, and he gave you flex value. But DeAndre Hopkins' talent is good enough to be at least a wide receiver two. And at this point, it looks like Ryan Danhill is going to be holding him down. That being said, so. he's, he still has value but not what we want from DeAndre Hopkins. So that, that was a little disappointing for me. He could have honest. It was, to be honest, it was better than what I thought it was going to be straight up. Like I thought well, there was you, a possibility that the Titans, that's where you go to die as a receiver or no. <laughs> it was more like, I, I thought that maybe he wouldn't get that high of a target share. Like, you know, 38% is like really, really big. Right. I thought it yeah. would be like more like 25, 26, something like that. It's a one game sample. But I thought that maybe these other guys would get involved. Like two targets for Chig, you know. Um, these other guys not really involved that Traylon much. Burks only I, had three. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it's, I thought it would be a little bit more distributed than than, than that, which is a good sign for Hopkins if this continues. Right. Um, Ajay Spears ended up playing more snaps than Derrick Henry in this game. Uh, it was a close game throughout. Uh, Henry only got 15 carries. You would think in this type of game he gets like way more. So this is kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if they keep doing this or like or what. Like if Henry is getting 15 carries a game in this type of close game where the Titans ran 63 plays, like I'm not sure I love this for Henry. Like this has to be no. corrected, right? It should be, but I don't know. Are the Titans buying into the age cliff before it actually happens? <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? I don't know. Are they forcing him off of that cliff? I mean, it was weird because when I started watching the game, I think Tyson Spears was the first running back on the field. I'm not even sure, right? Because I, I look down, I look up, and I'm like, Tajay Spears is on the field. Where's Derrick Henry? Like, they were punting. He, he, he was, like, he was Henry being doesn't used, have a touch. He was being used throughout, throughout the yeah. game. Like, right from the beginning of the game. Which is... On early downs, too, sometimes. Right. Which is what's concerning. Like, for Derrick Henry, at least. I mean, yeah. that's good for Tajay Spears. You know, he has that type of upside. But I don't think there's anything wrong with Derrick Henry yet that we have to say, yeah, he shouldn't. he should be coming off the field as much as he did. So definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward he did get a couple targets and he looked pretty good with them but that's what he did last year too he was oddly efficient with the receiving work that he got last year and that's just a trend that's continuing right now i don't think that's going to keep going but if this is how they're going to use him maybe it will (laughs) you know they trade out the quantity for the quality i'm not panicking on derrick henry but it's definitely just interesting something to keep an eye on and if it continues to happen then maybe we can think Time to hit the panic button. If you remember this time last year, Derrick Henry, he actually went two weeks before he actually had a good game. So I'm just going to give him time at this point. Right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. De- definitely give him time. I'm not going to overreact. Still starting him next week as an RB1. Um, yep. 
Cardinals Commanders. What what a terrible game overall. Uh, it looked promising for the Commanders early, but then it just fizzled out a little bit. Sam Howell didn't look great. Uh, he had his moments, but also had some bad plays too. Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, they both underperformed in this game. And what was an amazing matchup. Uh, Dotson ended up out-targeting Terry 7-4. to four, And of course, Curtis Samuel ends up being the one to lead the team in receiving yards, right? Um, <laughs> right. Now, I think they get better moving forward. It, it wasn't a great week one at home. Um, the offense wasn't humming at all. Um, now, this backfield is interesting. Brian Robinson, he averaged 3.1 yards per carry in this game, but the usage was way ahead of Gibson. Like, he was the clear back. Uh, yeah. You know, there's like one lead back in this offense, and that was him. So, 20 touches for Brian Robinson compared to Gibson's four touches okay 61 percent of snaps and also saw some third down snaps so gibson is not startable right now for me um and robinson uh he's like in that jamal williams range of starts at the moment right um you know kind of like this back end rb2 borderline rb2 kind of guy yeah i agree with you i knew when i was watching brian robinson get all this work i could just hear you like crying a little inside because it's like <laughs> we know what antonio gibson can be it's the brian robinson show and well, it's you know what's really funny? that exciting. I, um, after watching the preseason, I draft like the drafts that I've done over the last like couple of weeks. I would say I actually targeted Brian Robinson. I got Brian Robinson in a few drafts just because I'm like, all right, well, this seems like it's going to be Brian Robinson being the one A at the very least here. So, right. uh, you know, when he caught that touchdown um, early on, I'm like, oh wait, like okay. three of my fantasy, yeah. three of my fantasy teams just like scored a touchdown. Like, oh, okay. Like I didn't realize I had that much Brian Robinson. Cause like, I was like the <laughs> ultimate Brian Robinson hater. Right. Yeah. Like before it's that. Like, you're sitting there you're like, this is fine. <laughs> you know, who cares? But <laughs> it's true. If he doesn't score that touchdown though, like he's Got holding a, a bucket of empty yards. That's all it's going to be. I think he, he had only been... one. That was his one target too. Like that yes, touchdown one was target, one target, one catch, game. one touchdown. That's yeah. seven of his. Uh, what was it? Thirteen or fourteen points on the day. So he yeah. would have had single digit performance Terrible. otherwise. That tells you oh, all yeah. you need to know. You mentioned the inefficiency on the ground. We've been saying this, but it seems like the Commanders are just so confident in this guy that he's the one for them. That he's going to be getting the work. And you mentioned it, like you just said, it's a Jamal Williams situation where. You just keep using them because that's what you have. Although Antonio Gibson's sitting there. I thought Eric Bieniemy would correct this. It's one week. It doesn't look like it's been corrected. Can it be corrected no. still? Yes. You don't think it can? We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I think it can, but I, I would have thought that this would have happened already. Right. You know, they, they, they were would have camp. utilized. Yeah. You know, they would have had a scheme for Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have thought that's so. True. You know, it, it, it does kind of suck. It's discouraging. Um, the, the the writing's kind of on the wall at this point. It seems like, um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I wouldn't yeah. drop Gibson just yet. Uh, no. I would hold him for a couple weeks and see what happens. Now, I, I am paying attention to Zach Ertz on the other side of the ball. He he got ten targets from Josh Jobs, thirty three percent target share, ran around on ninety one percent of dropbacks. Okay, like this dude, like I don't even know he was going to be healthy for week one, and he does all this. So I got to get him back in the top twelve tight end list for week two because he's his usage is absolutely bonkers uh trey mcbride ran some routes uh it was not at the expense of Ertz at all he ran them in like two tight end sets and stuff like that so mcbride is not on the radar but zach Ertz definitely is um by the way james connor 84 percent of snaps he's a bell cow okay 19 touches in this game he was actually like relatively efficient given how shitty this offense is so you know not too bad not too bad for right. james connor um if you ask me who's going to be more efficient this week between James Conner and 
Rashad White, I would have said Rashad White, and that was not the case. Okay. Um, if we, <laughs> yeah, if, if we move on too. to that game real quick, Rashad White had no room to run in this game. Like, he did not look particularly great. Didn't make too many plays. He did get all the work, though. 79% of snaps, 19 opportunities. Um, a lot of people like Sean Tucker. Like, I'm not a Sean Tucker fan. Like, I don't think he's that good. Like, he didn't look that good in this game. Um, so I'm actually looking to buy Rashad White a little bit low, even though I'm not, a, I'm not like, completely bought into Rashad White's talent, but I think he's better than Sean Tucker. And I think, yeah. think that I'm bought into the fact that the Bucks are bought into him, if that makes sense. Um, the Vikings weren't like the, the easiest. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, But I just like Rashad White a little bit better. The Vikings yeah. like weren't mm-hmm. the easiest team to run against last year either. So, you know, I was hoping that he'd run more routes. You know, like he ran 55% um, he had a 55% route um, route percentage, like, and that's solid, but like, I just thought it would be a little bit more than that. Um, but I mean, it's a good start in terms of utilization, but it wasn't like mm-hmm. amazing. Um, do you think there's a chance that Sean Tucker ends up, you know, working in a little bit more? I would, I would be ignorant to say that there's no chance, but I don't see it happen. You know, with yeah. Rashad White, I think that the work can get better. You mentioned you only ran a route over just over 50%. I think that can that's increase because. No, yeah. it's not. And I think it can increase because you look at the matchups they had on the outside. Mike Evans had a game, you know, and that's weird because that correlated like that was the matchup we were kind of looking at. Like, OK, this is a obvious win matchup here for Mike yeah. Evans. So it looks like he followed that projection, you know, in this game. And Baker Mayfield, he didn't look great, but he didn't look that bad either. And I'm just looking at no. this like. The Buccaneers went in, won a game they weren't supposed to with a quarterback that wasn't supposed to play decent, and it's just kind of reminding me of Geno Smith last last year where they went in, won a game they weren't supposed to win, and Geno Smith looked better than he was supposed to, and the receivers actually had a decent day. Like, I'm not going to call it that just yet. I know we said that, is this the next Geno Smith situation? I'm not going to call it that right now, but I will say it was definitely much more encouraging than what I expected to see. I thought the Vikings were going to run away with it. And they didn't. So I think if you have worse matchups on the outside, obviously if Baker Mayfield at quarterback, and you remember that small sample size at the beginning of last year where he was dumping it off at the highest rate to Christian McCaffrey, that can happen still. You know, I don't think every matchup is going to be Baker Mayfield taking advantage of good matchups on the outside with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. There's going to be a game down the line where Rashad White just gets a bunch of targets out of the backfield and a lot of carries, and we're going to be saying, yep, this is pretty much what we expected. That is his his strength. His strength is catching the football, right, and making plays after with the ball in his hands. So, like, that's his strength. I think that they're going to they're use him in that in that role at some point. But we haven't seen it in week one yet. Um, you know, I, th- I did think Evans had the better matchup between him and Godwin this week. We'll see if, like, it was the matchup that dictated what that Evans got the targets, the 10 compared to Godwin 6, uh, or whether Evans is Mayfield's guy. Like, like, we'll see. I'm curious to see what that turns into. Um, right. Now, on the other side of the ball, Alexander Madison, 73% of snaps, 55% route participation, 79% of the running back carries, which is solid. This is like, you know, high-end RB2, low-end RB1 type of usage. Um, and he looked decent in this game. Uh, you know, the Bucks not the easiest matchup in the world. But at the same time, like, I thought Madison, you know, could have done a little bit better in this game. But I think it's solid in terms of usage. Um, I think I think I'm I'm not I don't think there's a real threat for any of these other running backs to make their way into Madison's workload a whole lot. So I, I'm continuing to start Madison every single week. Um, how are you feeling about Madison? Is he he's just an every week starter, isn't he? Yep. There's nothing to question here. This is kind of the workload that we 
anticipated, you know, there might have been a chance for Ty Chandler to come in and do a little bit of work. He came in and ran a few routes. He got a target. Big whoop. But Alexander Madison is going to be the guy in the backfield. He's not quite as dynamic as Dalvin Cook. You know, even last year, Dalvin Cook was, he was all right. He wasn't, he got a lot more crap than he deserved, 100%, with Dalvin Cook was. So Alexander Madison come in, fill that role 100%. We saw that this is going to be a pass-first offense. You look, you saw Justin Jefferson had 150 yards. Jordan Addison looked good, you know. There's going to be a lot more passing going on in this offense than there is rushing. But that doesn't mean that Alexander Madison can't be, you know, valuable yeah, either. I mean, he, he was utilizing that in the receiving game, right? He, he's he got a, targeted he, here and there. He's an RB2, to be clear, though. Yeah. I don't think he's an yeah. RB1. Unless no, no, he's not. they he's shift not. their game plan, and if they go run heavy one week, there's a chance that Alexander Madison can have one of those blow-up games, but it's not going to be an every-week occurrence. And this and the is kind is of he, the production I'm expecting. He's in, he's on a good offense, so that's gonna like yep. propel him also, which is which is always good. He's gonna get he's gonna be in line for those goal line carries, which he got in this game, right? It's almost like um, a Joe Mixon situation. It, yeah, like, it is almost like a Joe less, Mixon situation. Slightly less, exactly, exactly. Um, now Addison only had a sixty six percent rap participation. Uh, you know, only but he still got six targets, so he's not a full time player just yet. Okay, right. KJ Osborne is playing ahead of him right now, but you know they both got six targets on a, on a per route basis. Addison still got targeted more, um, and you saw him with that long, deep touchdown, you know, which was awesome. If you started him, great job. Hawkinson, right. nine targets, eight catches, only 35 yards, though. Um, but it was weird. Like, the way they were using him was a little bit weird. They didn't run a lot of 11 personnel in this game. We should expect better usage moving. I mean, you know, better usage down the field for Hawkinson moving forward. Um, the last game we're going to talk about in, in this particular episode, and we'll get to like uh, all, all the other games, late afternoon games, in, in the next subsequent episode. It doesn't mean it's tomorrow. It just means later. Um, yeah. 49ers <laughs> we'll and Steelers. Uh, the 49ers offense is just like a well-oiled oiled machine, dude. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's like crazy. Like Brock Purdy, like, it's like he never left, right? Um, the Steelers, on the other hand, they couldn't get anything going at all, like especially in the first half, like up until Pat Frymuth finally scored at the end there. But man, like Brock Purdy, like just continuing to do what he does, like, and that's just run this offense efficiently, right? Brandon Ayuk absolutely went off, and you know we're not surprised, man, right? Like eight for one twenty nine and two touchdowns. This is who he is. Like if he's given opportunity, like he's gonna do this. You know what I'm right. saying? Like the question is, is this Ayuk's breakout year, right? And I, I believe it can be, but I also wouldn't be surprised if this is his best game of the season, right? Yeah. And that the opportunity is like distributed more throughout, right? Like with some Debo games sprinkled in, some Kittle games, you know, but regardless, you know, you just keep starting IU. You're like, there's no question. Right. It's funny. You're here pumping the brakes on the brand IU breakout campaign when I think you might have been like the driver of that train. Yeah, you know I, mean? I was. I was. But at the same time, I, I, I want to not like, you know, I would love to take a victory lap here, but like victory laps after one week isn't like the smartest thing to do. Right. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll revisit this in a couple of weeks, but definitely what you yeah. want to see, you talk about Brock Purdy, like he gave you his signature two passing touchdowns, you know, at least he's had that in every game he started in the regular season. So that's great. <laughs> um, but Brock Purdy, he's one of the safer fantasy quarterbacks. I think he's an awesome QB two in a super flex league. And he's definitely worth saving on your bench. There goes Tony Pollard for another touchdown. Sorry, I'm just going to inject right there. Did he really? Yep. That's the second touchdown for Pollard. Let's um, go, baby. Yeah. And then Brandon Ayuk, he had that, he had the target share this week, which is good. And I think it continue, he's going to continue to be, I think, at the top of the target share 
for most weeks. That that doesn't necessarily mean that the production is always going to be higher because you have Debo Samuel, who's excellent after the catch. Christian McCaffrey had a huge day today. You know, he had four targets and he did that was a 65 or 70 some yard rushing touchdown. Like yep. drives are going to end like that pretty fast. Like if they're scoring like this, George Kittle scores, Christian McCaffrey scores, they go up quick. Suddenly they're going to stop passing the ball. It just helps that Brandon Ayuk had two touchdowns to begin the day. And I agree, this could be his best game of the year. But I wouldn't be surprised if this continues where he's scoring touchdowns at a high rate. He could be up around 14 touchdowns this season. It might not be on 140 catches, but 100 catches, <laughs> I don't think that's anywhere out of the picture. And Brandon Ayuk, he looks like a favorite target of Brock Purdy right now. Do you remember when people were saying that, uh, hey, I don't want to draft Christian McCaffrey because of Elijah Mitchell? Yeah. Do you remember the report that came out and said that they might take Christian McCaffrey out of the field to make sure Elijah Mitchell gets some time in and they don't wear Christian McCaffrey out? I saw Christian that McCaffrey, the 49ers, 49ers blew the Steelers out of the water this entire game, and Christian McCaffrey played on 85% of snaps. Elijah Mitchell's healthy, guys. Okay. So that's what you want to see. This is what it, why it was silly to be wary of Mitchell when faced with the decision to draft McCaffrey early on. Yeah. Right. I remember. Um, I remember you even said it in that one write-up for your rankings on your post. You said, even with the occasional Elijah Mitchell closeout, that wasn't the case today. <laughs> you know, if that's not going to be the issue, if that's not going to happen, then boy, Christian McCaffrey, he's just going to keep doing his thing. And that's not oh, yeah. how the, it's not what we we weren't not expecting that to happen. Not at all. Uh, Deontay Johnson, he got banged up in this game, hamstring injury. Okay, can't imagine he plays next week. So. We'll see how severe that injury is, but Allen Robinson ended up leading the group, of course. Uh, Calvin Austin, when you know he's he was the Deontay Johnson replacement on the outside, he outperformed George Pickens in this game as well. Uh, but I think without De- Deontay, you know, I can see Deont- Pickens maybe doing his thing next week. You know, he always makes these spectacular catches, but they're always out of bounds. Um, you know, oh wait, <laughs> right. no, 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 they're, go- they're going against the Browns next week, man. They just dominated Joe Burrow, so. Uh, no. yeah, Maybe not what you were hoping for as a Steelers fan, but you know. No. I think it's Joe Burrow's kryptonite. Maybe not everyone's kryptonite. Yeah. The 49ers are also a ridiculous defense. Like they're top. They're really good. They're really good. Secondary is a little iffy, but like they're 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 really good. So I thought Pickett would be able to play better in this game, but they were absolutely terrible. Now, the last thing I want to mention in this episode, man. J- Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, they did in fact split early down snaps down the middle 50 50. Najee got the two minute snaps and short yardage, so that's good. But Warren came in on passing downs as well. Okay, this isn't good if you draft the Najee where you did. Okay, this offense like needs to take that, like it needs to take a big step forward if Najee's going to return on that price tag. Like if he's going to get this type of usage or the lack of it, like. This is not good. Warren ended up with nine opportunities to Najee's eight opportunities. Okay. So and we'll see if not if Warren ends up being start worthy in this offense. Like if this offense ends up getting it together, which I think they will, mm. he has to be rostered regardless, right? Because he's an every down back if Najee were to get hurt. But like it's possible that he might provide a little bit of standalone value too. Right? Yeah. So Najee Harris was like the passing down back, and now he's getting work 50-50 on early downs. Like that is like terrible news for anyone who drafted Najee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a better game situation where they're not down the whole time, you know, if Jalen Warren's mixing in like that and they're not just having this rough day on offense overall, he can have standalone value. I'm not going to throw that out the window. I think that's absolutely a possibility. And Najee Harris, you know, he had the two down, the, not the two down, the 
two minute snaps, like you said. But I, I just I don't see Najee Harris like separating himself at this point now with Jalen Warren kind of coming up. We saw it in the preseason. We heard about it all offseason. Now it's happening in the game. This isn't a fluke, right? I, I don't think this is a fluke where Jalen Warren's getting this work all of a sudden. No, because before the game, Ian Rapp reported that it was going to happen. <laughs> I love that verb. So if if the report happened before the game and then it happened in the game, then there has to be some merit to it, right? Right. I mean, you don't want to just boil so, it down to that, but yeah, 100%. Like, it's not just a report before the game that they might split. It's been the whole offseason, and, and then it's back up. It's all of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole I mean, culmination. We, 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 talked, we talked about this. We talked about his performance in the preseason. We talked about him being so super efficient last year as a rookie, like, and Najee being inefficient and all that. Like, it, it's all, all, all of it, right? So, right. It's I think the more we'll, we'll see where that, where, where that, you know, where that goes. The biggest issue that you have is if you draft a Najee, you know, it doesn't look like the price is going to match what you get from him this season if this continues. Agreed. Agreed. All right. And with that, guys, we're going to do it for this particular episode. We'll be back for some more breakdowns. We'll be back for some waiver wire pickups. Who are we preferring? How much are we putting down? Talking about all of it in the next episode, guys. Take it easy. We'll see you in a little bit. Peace.